Welcome to Takeaways, Life Lessons Learned. I'm your host, Hayam Mizrahi, recording from MDL Group. Recognized market leaders in commercial real estate brokerage and property management in Las Vegas, Nevada. Join me as I explore my takeaways from the people who have influenced me the most. Let's get started. Happy New Year and welcome to Season 2, Sean. Season 2. Season 2 already. It's amazing how fast first season went. That's right. Season 2 of Takeaways. We are on site again at the NAOP January Breakfast. NAOP is the Association for the Commercial Real Estate Development Community. Sean, welcome back. CEO of DC Building Group, one of the most active general contractors in the marketplace today and different than last year, no longer president-elect. Now you are president of the Southern Nevada NAOP chapter. Mazel tov. Thank you. Mike <laughs> has officially handed me the gavel, and he handed it to me with a smile. There's always a smile. So before we jump in, uh, seriously, congratulations. This is incredible and enormous. What's the vision? What's the agenda for NAOP this year? If we look at NAOP, NAOP is the largest industry organization we have that supports our development, real estate, construction community in Southern Nevada. I think it's important to know that our membership currently sits, we are about 12th in the nation in membership size, and we have a huge capacity to continue to grow that. So one is I'd like to continue to grow our membership. And by doing that, our programs, our programs like we had this morning are the place to be. Dynamite. Today was dynamite. We'll talk about it. I agree. It was, a, it was an excellent attendance. I don't, I don't have the numbers yet, but people show up because they leave with new information. I think you'll talk about that later, that what did we hear today that's not in the paper? And then NAOP also has an incredible education program that they do four times a year, and it's to members only. So becoming a NAOP member gets you access to the program. What was the last one? I think it was like um, blockchain technology and how it's currently affecting the industry and will continue to affect the industry. Yes. Blockchain, cryptocurrency. And not like this is hocus pocus, someday it'll be. This is stuff that is actually happening today. Yes. There was one I went to a couple of years ago I just want to talk about because it shows up in my day-to-day work every frequently. Not every day, but frequently. It was the development process and the technical differences between a design build, a design bid build, and who's in charge, who's not in charge. And when we built our building at MDL Group, I referenced that education a lot. Sorry, I didn't mean to, to jump in there. No, education has, they have four incredible programs coming up this year. I think uh, to pay attention to your email so you can see when they are and be there. All right, so join NAOP is the message. Let's get into our takeaways from, from today's program. It was a panel of past presidents the title was High-Powered Commercial Real Estate Executives Talking About the Southern Nevada Real Estate Market. On the panel was developer Jay Heller. He's a principal with Heller Companies. He builds a small bay industrial product in the southwest part of the market. Mike Mixer, Executive Managing Director with Colliers International. He runs the largest brokerage company in the market. And Mike Showit. Chief Real Estate Development Officer with Nevada Hand. Nevada Hand, as we learned today, and as we know, 
is a different kind of development company. It's a nonprofit development company focused on affordable housing here in the marketplace. And he's doing it at the highest level. One of the interesting notes about Mike is when he served as president, the NAOP National Chapter recognized him as Chapter President of the Year. Wow. And as far as I know, I, I think he's the only Southern Nevada president that may have received that award. And you talked about the Southern Nevada chapters, 12th in the nation. And this, I want to put an emphasis on that. Among New York City, among Chicago's, among the San Francisco's, among the Los Angeles, is little old Las Vegas Southwest. And we have a nationally recognized president and also a nationally recognized developing leader in Cassie Catania last year. Excuse me, Cassie Sue. Let's uh, continue and talk about what a fabulous job the debut moderator did, uh, president-elect of NAOP. Julie Cleaver, who is the Senior Vice President of Planning and Design for the Howard Hughes Corporation. Was she amazing? She is fun. She just gets up there and her true personality comes out and the crowd enjoys it. She opened with my observation. She opened with like a stream of consciousness introduction and she was just talking. It wasn't a, it didn't feel like prepared remarks or a speech and the entire audience was, they were laughing. They were eating out of the palm of her hands. She, she knocked it out of the park today as the moderator. The sponsor this morning was Henderson Economic Development, and the room, Sean, was set for 260 people. I, I think the room was pretty much full. It was full, yep. So let's get into the program. Julie opened up in her position. Uh, she gave us a, fa a fantastic update of the baseball stadium that's currently under construction in Summerlin. Opening day, she said, is April 9th, so April 10th. She's going to be a happy camper. What struck me in her comments is that when all said and done, it would have taken them 15 months to deliver a $100 million stadium and all the surrounding improvements. She's got her hands full. She is, when I talk to her on a weekly basis for NAOP, she is very consumed with that project. She's excited for the opening day. I bet. And she talked about the name, the Aviators. Correct. And, you know, full transparency, that community reaction to the new logo, kind of up in the air, mixed, well, as far as if they like it or the community likes it or not. It was uh, displayed with mixed reviews, and she commented to that. Yeah, I think the community will rally around it, and it'll grow, just like Vegas Knights has. She talked about something she learned from uh, Mike Mixer, the panelist, that the, the team, the Aviators, has an affiliation with the Oakland A's. So we are we're she moving forward. She has also set up an event for NAOP. I believe it was, it's one of our mixers for opening week at the stadium. She's been very helpful in making that happen. Plug it, Sean. Happen. Plug it. Members only. Members only. Be there. So then we went to Jay. I mentioned he's an industrial developer in the Southwest. He has an active ground-up construction project right now that he is, he is going to. He spoke to that uh, with uh, you know, being relevant in the process, challenges they've had. Uh, he's, he said that the design... The entitlements, that part of the process seemed like a breeze, and then they got into public works, and they, they had some challenges there. Yeah, and I think him being a smaller developer who serves small business, it's harder. It, it creates more challenges, because if he came in and, and built these big buildings, there's more influence, there's more flexibility, do you there's think more so? support. I do. And I, and I think being smaller, it's harder, because his resources are more limited. And that makes him more intimate with his clients, more intimate with his product. I think it's healthy. Mm -hmm. It's harder, though. 
So his again, we talked about small bay. I mean, these are units that are 1,000, 6,000 square feet. They're they're designed to uh, serve the small, real small business owner, incubator business owner. So some of these companies are first time leasing. They start here and then they grow into these in these big bombers. Hopefully, the question that was asked to him out of the gate is why now? This product has not been built in this marketplace for the last decade. So Jay, why now? And his answer kind of took a historic and then a current perspective that. In the downturn, these small businesses were hit really hard, and his portfolio was hit pretty hard as far as uh, rates declining, vacancies increasing. With the recovery, it brought these small businesses back, and rates went up, not only because of the spaces where the existing product was filling, but also there was no new supply coming. So rates got to a point where now it justifies building new product. And Jay is a established developer, presence in the market. He has good market intel from his existing portfolio and justifies him building this now. One of the challenges he talked about, which is a reoccurring theme, is uh, finding a site because of increased land cost. The increased land cost has made it, he, he said it's made it difficult for him to continue to serve his, his tenants at the rates they need to pay. Um, and we talked a lot about here today and, and, and elsewhere, rising construction costs. You're a active general contractor. Are they still rising as you're forecasting projects into next year? Are we plateauing? Where? What's the state of construction costs in your opinion? What I've ex experienced is a continual increase for the last 12 months. Month after month after month, there's been a, a, a point or so increase. I believe where we're at this first quarter of this year, we might have a little stabilization in pricing. So maybe a good opportunity to capitalize on that. And then later in the year, I believe the, the costs are going to increase again. Great. Uh, so let's move over to Mike Mixer. Julie, the moderator, opened with a, a solid nod to Mike. She mentioned that, first of all, I don't know if she called him a ninja or a guru or whatever adjective. It was uh, quite complimentary. Backed up with that George Maloof and Steve Wynn have provided Mike Mixer testimonials. That goes to show not only is Mike Mixer... A, you know, warranted these these titles thrown at him, Ninja Guru. However, Julie, as the moderator, really did her homework, didn't she? She did. She looked him up, and she got him start to talk about some of the things he's accomplished. I had no idea. He helped start a construction company. He helped start Mass Media, which is a PR promotional company. He was part of Centra Properties, and now he's part of matter well he talked about his partner jim stewart that he and um mike mixer started colliers with jim is the one that uh is doing matter and i don't know if mixer was involved in centra i thought he had but said he that. was, I was certainly surprised. there for for the ride i'm sure okay so then uh you know given his position in the market and his broad perspective seeing a lot touching a lot the question was around what trends is he seeing what projects uh, does he know about so he went right to um, you know, his fiduciary, which is I've signed a lot of confidentiality agreements, double secret probation stuff that would cause him to go into detention after school if he talked about. So that's fair. Then he went right into trends that he's seeing. He used the term experiential retail, which we're hearing a lot about. However, he said what he's seeing is that this concept of experience around retail is bleeding into office design and how people want to experience the workplace. He talked about workplaces needing to be vibrant to attract the employees. Yep. 
more so than just a salary or a job description. It's the atmosphere, the environment that employees want to be a part of. So yesterday I was at the CCIM and IRAM co-sponsored forecast event. CCIM is a Certified Commercial Investment Member, and IRAM is the International Real Estate Management Association. So a smart thing they did is they came together as a community and, and created one forecast event. And among the things that kept the panelists up at night was um, availability of talent and labor, not just in construction, but overall for the workforce. And one of and retention was another one. So this dovetails right into what they talked about as something you know that that will keep not just them up at night, but the economy overall, and how what Mike Mixer called a refinement and development can solve for that if you are sharp, if you are aware, and if you believe that talent is going to win the day going forward. I sat on a panel earlier this week with Jim Stewart, one of Mike's partners, and what he spoke about was not just attracting people to businesses, but how to promote Las Vegas for an experience to bring people here. For like uh, companies to move here? Because for, we do, I think we do a great job. Okay, for individuals so this is, uh, to attract individuals to create this market that Las Vegas is not just a party town. There is an experience, there is an environment, yeah. there is an atmosphere to to be here and be a part of. So is this discussion, do you think, happening uh, among you know, development leaders, construction leaders, business leaders only right now? Or do you think that this discussion has gone into the broader business community here in Las Vegas? Are we there yet? I don't think we're there yet. I believe we're getting broader. And the more it's talked about, the more it's processed, the more the word will get out. One thing, I'll, I'll just touch on that, a little different but, but related. The first time anybody in Las Vegas in these, in these meetings, in these, you know, the NAOT Breakfast Program, the SIOR Monthly Luncheon, CCIM, the first time I started noticing the conversation around recession come up was about nine months ago. And now, I mean, it's, it's not, hey, what inning are we in in the recovery? It's, do you believe there will be a recession in 2019? So... The conversations start, and then they spread, and then it either manifests or it doesn't. But the same as the recession conversation, I think it's healthy to keep having these conversations about evolving as a community and specifically the development community to create better office product to attract better companies here. So we can go from there to another thing that Mixer talked about, which was the hotel and resort corridor. He specializes in, in that area. He works with uh, gaming companies, hotel companies, with their real estate. He pointed something out that we, Las Vegas, little old city out west, is the largest hotel market in the country. And the largest hotel market has an occupancy in the high 90s, where the rest of the country, occupancy in the 60s, mid-60s to high 60s. That was pretty interesting. It was, and I believe he quoted also a report by John Restrepo predicting 60 million visitors a year within the next 20 years. Mm -hmm. You buy that? We're at 45, 42, what is it, 42 million a year now? 42 to 45, I think. 42 to 45, the prediction by John Restrepo, the esteemed John Restrepo, is that we'll be to 60. I believe it, the way that we're growing and the different things that we're adding. You know, the Raider Stadium is the easiest one to look at. The Madison Square Garden sphere is another thing that will bring different types of people here. You know, that's just one element that we'll have in entertainment that will continue to evolve. So, Mike, show it. 
Nevada hand, affordable housing. Did he shine today or what? I believe Mike takes a topic that could be very bland, and he provides so much data and so much um, accurate information that people are engaged and people understand what we need to do, and he understands how it needs to be done. So what did he talk about? Let's get into some of that. Mike Schoet had talked about a shortage of 100,000 housing units of affordable housing. And at this rate, they are building about 1,000 per year. So let's unpack that a bit. I talked to him after the, the meeting a little bit to understand that number more. He said at the current clip, we're delivering, I think he said 1,000 units as a state, affordable housing units, and the definition of uh, who his customer is. These are families that have a, an income in the range of $17,000 to $36,000 a year. So that's the market he's providing housing for. So 1,000 units being delivered in this space where the need is 100,000 today as a state, which you can probably guess that 70% of that is here for Las Vegas. And, you know, he's trying to solve, his, com- his organization is trying to solve, what are we going to do about it? And they're not just talking. Sean, that was the impression I got. They're not just sitting there talking about it, pointing to the stats, saying this is a problem, this is a problem. They've proposed legislation that I forgot which senator he referenced ran with, and it got approved, and they went all the way up to the governor's office to tie the problem of affordable housing to education, which I've never thought about it in that context before. One of the common factors around education is a stable family and a stable household which once he said it, it was like, duh, it, it totally made sense. He shared the story of driving by the weekly motel rental, and there's 15 kids waiting for the school bus every day. Did you ever imagine that? No, I, 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 don't, I can't fathom that. When I think about a daily weekly, and if I think about who lives in there by my own perception, my own uneducated perception, I don't think about families living in those. I think about you know, single people living in those that are in transition of some sort in their life. Yeah, a single person or a couple that's moved to town, they're temporarily there or they're changing jobs. I don't think of families there, and it's it's heartbreaking to, to hear about it. He painted that picture very clearly that as he drives by, there's a row of kids waiting for the school bus out of this daily weekly that he drives by on the way to work. So you think about those kids, and they're in one classroom today, and two months from now, they're going to be in a different school and different classroom, maybe in a different city or a different state. That's hard to build relationships as a, as a student. And have a stable household and therefore uh, focus on your education, which, again, it totally made sense. Another thing you talked about where he took, you know, he provides statistics around this where typically it would be a snooze fest. He did it in a way that was succinct and meaningful where he talked about one of the questions was, so you're, it's a not-for-profit company. How is it different developing than what you did before, which is for-profit? And he went in to talk about a complex, a nuanced capital stack and just gave us the right amount of information to understand how his organization approaches things differently and why they're successful doing it. They use state and federal grants to help with their funding, and they take their profits and his word was they recycle them right back into their development for more housing. So on that where they're the tip of the spear to solve this problem, they're best equipped to go talk to our 
policymakers, and they were successful in, in expanding those tax incentives for Nevada Hand and other organizations to do the work that they do to solve this problem. That, but they don't stop there. I'll kind of jump ahead to later in the program. Mike Showett talked about it's not just that sector of the market, the $17,000 to, to $70,000 a year family income. There's people on the lower end of that, the 17 and below, that are, he said, effectively homeless. So solving that problem. And then the missing middle, nice term, the call it this, you know, 70,000 to, I don't know what the, what the top end number was. 36 to 65,000 a year. So the missing middle that, how do we solve an issue for them? The market forces right now are as such, and we talked about it last year, NAOP multifamily panel. Uh, land prices are up, construction is up. So if you want to do a ground up development, you build it to the top end of the market, to the higher end of income to get maximum rents so that you can have a viable project and exit or you know stabilize it and turn around and keep it for income. At the same time, the older product, the class B, the class C, there's an opportunity that's been created where it's called value add. You buy them, fix them up, put some lipstick on it, improve the units, increase the rents, and then sell it. And we had um, a gentleman in from Arizona who works only in apartments regionally, and he said for every Class A stabilized building they take to market, they get probably 7 to 10 viable buyers. And for every value add, Class B, Class C, they get 3x that. So here are market conditions causing rents to increase, causing product that would typically be affordable to be not affordable anymore. The new supply is not affordable. Welcome, Mike Show. Solve the problem, buddy. Well, I believe that being a nonprofit allows them to focus on a different market in this market that's needed. A, a couple things to add what you said. He mentioned that Missing Middle consisted of approximately 250,000 workers in Southern Nevada. That's a quarter of our workforce. He talked about trying to manage the, the budgets for cost of the land, the cost of construction, the cost of operating. And he also mentioned, and I'm not familiar with the bill, SNPLA. Yeah, I didn't know what that was either. I, I don't know the specifics of it. I may have even said it incorrectly. But it helps them provide access to land for affordable housing in areas of the city or areas of the county. So Mike Showett, Jay Heller, Julie Cleaver, they all talked about the connection to NAOP as it relates to um, government affairs and development. So it's a pretty clear pathway. You know, Mike Showett gets involved in government affairs. He meets the people, the policymakers, creates relationships, and then can affect policy. Both Jay and Julie said that for them as private developers, same process applies, just as meaningful just as important. In fact, Julie talked about how someone, I think it was from the county or the city, reached out and said, hey, by the way, you have this obligation coming up. We'd like you to start focusing on it. The obligation was that they need to build another fire station. So it's not like, hey, I need you to fill out this application and send a $500 application fee. It's, hey, you guys agreed to this thing in 2005 in a developer agreement between the city and uh, your organization. So it's coming up and you need to start working on building a fire station. She's like you talked about in the middle of delivering a hundred million dollar baseball stadium and all the infrastructure around it. Yeah, I think that gives some example to how complex her job is navigating, developing tens of thousands of acres. 
in the development process. It's not for the faint of heart. It doesn't happen overnight. It's easy for us brokers to get our, up over our skis and yell at the developers about when are you going to deliver? When are you going to deliver? What will be your lease rate? What you know? What can I sell this for? The reality is this, this is a, a process, and I'm glad that pros in our community like Julie and Jay and Show It are, are at the helm. Another um, and, and the yeah, access to the government affairs information and the government affairs committee is open to all members. Mike Show It talked about not knowing anything about the political process, and now he's fully engaged, and he attributes that to his experience serving in NAOP. And even Jay talked about, look, it didn't help me for my current project, but he was a part of an ad hoc committee to help the county understand their processes and put them in a better position to create the kind of improvements in the process that can help and streamline this going forward. And then Mixer jumped in and said, you know, a couple observations. He's the he was past president last year, so he's the most current past president of NAOP. And Julie asked him, what were your takeaways from your presidency? And he said a few things. He said, one, obviously the people that it's been talked about. This is an organization full of highly motivated, highly talented people. And these highly talented, highly motivated people, there's a large percentage of them that are willing to roll up their sleeves and get to work for the greater good, not just their own interest. So and that's inspiring for him and inspiring for others to continue that, that work. The amount of members that serve on those committees, uh, Katrina does a, uh, a snippet that she hands out, and there are countless hours and people serving on those committees. So we talked about the process of government affairs with NAOP. We talked about the people, the talent. We talked about affordable housing. Julie had some interesting takeaways as, as she was bringing it to a close, and she talked about, correct, correct me if my notes are wrong, planning the 5,000 acres they hold west of downtown Summerlin. I cannot wait because I live right in the center of all that. And she talked about staggering numbers, 30,000 housing units in a specific area of that, just off the 215. That changes the dynamic of the west side of the valley. Uh-huh. Yesterday at the CCIM IRAM forecast, there was a gentleman that was flown in from Denver. He works at CBRE. He is an economist. And what I like about when these out-of-towners come in is they give us an outside perspective so we're not buying into our own BS. We're not consuming our own hype. But he talked about population migration, uh, specifically in the southwest, and gave some, not predictions, but some stats around that. And I think the number was for the next five years, every day for the next five years, Las Vegas will be adding 75 households. So what's the math on that? 75 times 365, 27,000 new households a year just by people deciding to move here because the weather's great, the tax climate's wonderful, the climate climate is wonderful. So when I hear that over here from some out-of-towner with no dog in the hunt, and then Julie, who's in the trenches planning for this over the next God knows how long with those 5,000 acres, it paints a picture, a bright picture. It paints a, a vibrant picture. A very favorable <laughs> picture for Southern Nevada. It really does. So let's go into uh, one of my favorite parts here. When Mike Mixer ended the show... Uh, the question that was asked from the audience was, we understand you can't talk about deals in, in process that 
you might be under confidentiality. But look back and say, uh, over the last 24 months, what one transaction do you think was most significant to the community? So he answered that second. But what he went into first is let's talk about some rumors. I like rumors. One of the rumors that he talked about is that Steve Wynn is snooping around the market to get back in the game. He mentioned he may be looking around. What does that mean? Oh, I, I think we can only speculate that what that means. But if we look at what he did back in the 80s and 90s to the Las Vegas Strip, it could, could only make another transformation for how we entertain. So cool rumor to, to keep an eye on. This one probably not as much of a rumor as much as it is, uh, I think, maybe conversations and planning. Uh, Mike said, look for the reintroduction of luxury high-rise developments on the Strip. With the way that hotel occupancy is, with the way that pricing is, he thinks that this sector is ripe for, for that product to be built, some mixed use in and around the resort corridor. He did, and then he went on to talk about the Drew a little bit, which Drew was public information. But what he did talk, share that seemed new was they're presenting for their retail at the next ICSC, which is only a couple months away. Yeah, they're gearing up. ICSC is the largest convention for retailers across the world. It happens here in Las Vegas every year. Tens and tens and tens of, of thousands of people show up that are developers, brokers, retailers. All the big names are here. And they're, they're gearing up for an announcement there, which you're right. That is new and, and fresh information. You know, you talked about something, that we come here to hear things that are not in the news. Buck Wargo, who is a very well-established, highly respected journalist, comes to the NAP Breakfast every month. And if he doesn't write one story, sometimes he writes two. And my guess is this might show up in there. Something that... Mike also brought up that was a little different. It, it could be concerning. I'm not sure how to take it. He talked about the South Strip, south of South Point out to the M, and how that was all hotel land, and multifamily residential builders have been buying that. And, what and, does and that not just like? little parcels. He was talking about $70 million transactions. Yes, very big parcels. And how does that change the landscape of that area? And then what's the ripple effect? on the rest of the strip. Yeah, so he gave some some of his own opinion on that where they, you know, him being a a hotel land guy in and around the resort corridor, the vision was always that between let's say Mandalay Bay all the way to the M resort that that would be a continuation of the Las Vegas strip with hotels and resorts and all that. But some acquisitions that happened last year is saying no, we're going to build housing here. And not just, you know, big bomber apartments, but single family residences here. And his opinion was, you know what? It may, you know, that vision of the South Strip continuing all the way down to the M might not come to fruition, but he believes that having residences closer to the, the existing resort corridor will strengthen the resort corridor. So do you believe that some of that may be a result of limited land availability? Big question. Um, on the spot, that's a tough one. So this is a broader conversation that NAOP has been at the forefront of for I don't know how long, several years, where if you look at an aerial of Las Vegas, it looks like there's a lot of vacant land. But then when you start drilling into the assessor site, you realize that an overwhelming majority of that undeveloped land that is developable is owned by the BLM. So the petition from NAOP is... The charge from NAOP is let's get these parcels released from the BLM into the hands of the developers who will make something of it. 
So good question, Sean. I don't have an answer for you. Maybe we'll get Mixer on here to talk about that specifically in the future. Sounds like a topic for an upcoming panel for breakfast. Maybe. Absolutely. And a perfect way to end and segue into an upcoming panel and something to keep your eye on. February's NAOP program is going to have a very special, uh, let's call him a keynote, Steve Hill. Steve Hill worked at the Governor's Office for Economic Development and recently took the helm of the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority. I don't know that this is his first association type appearance since being CEO, but I know that it's one of the first and I believe it is his first in 2019. Well, I also believe he will have some data that he can share for the first time by the time February 21st hits. So if you're listening to this, February's NAOP breakfast is not one to be missed. And we're, we're actually, the programs committee is going to present the information a little differently. We're going to have Steve Hill give a keynote for a period of time to give all the information. And then we're going to transition into a fireside chat with Dan Tutlin, NAOP member, longtime Las Vegan, and Steve Hill to have a conversation to really get into the goods about what Steve is, is going to talk about. And I'm then, excited for it. And then there'll be a Q&A opportunity. There's always well. a Q&A. There's okay. always a Q&A for the audience. Absolutely, Sean. Thanks for bringing that up. There's always a Q&A for the audience to ask questions. And that's another cool thing about this. You know, somebody asked Julie today, you're developing all this land in Summerlin. A lot of it is mixed use. A lot of it is commercial. Currently, there's a parking problem. Well known, talked about. You guys are trying to solve for that internally. Fast forward. Put your planning hat on. If it's true that one day we'll have autonomous vehicles, what do you guys do with that? All the parking you're planning for today, are you building your, your parking structures in a way that you can convert them into office buildings later because you won't need to park cars because some autonomous vehicle will pick me up at my house, drive me over to my office building. All you'll need is like a circulation loop for them to get in and out because they're, they're going on to their next pickup. They struggle with it. They do, and I believe last year or the year before, Tina Quigley spoke about that. And I'm sure this year or next year she'll have another update for us. So that was a direct question from the audience. Someone got to have a, a direct conversation with Julia around something that was meaningful for them. So that's it. That's a wrap. Sean, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Congratulations again, Mr. President. Thank you, sir. El I Presidente. Forward. I look forward to the rest of the year. And we are too. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Takeaways podcast is about sharing and paying it forward. If you like this show, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review. It really goes a long way. And if you really like the show, please share takeaways with a friend. Thank you and tune in next time.